Hello, residents. My name is Zach Olson. I'm joined today by Mike Estefan, and thank you for downloading this month's episode of the EM Clerkship Podcast. This is EM Clerkship's Secret Residency Curriculum, advanced content designed to test the graduates of EM Clerkship, and today is round number 13 of the game. Michael needs to perform today's case in Real ABEM's oral boards format. He has 15 minutes to complete the case. He does not know what the case is ahead of time. If Mike hits all the critical actions that I've listed out beforehand, he wins. If he doesn't or if he performs a dangerous action, I win. These cases are created by me. They're not actual ABEM cases, and they are not real patients. Let's go. How are you doing, Mike? Zach, I am doing great. How are you? Good. You got a new microphone. Yes, I do. The ice. You got the ice. The blue ice. Wonderful. The blue ice. Sweet. I sent you that meme. Did you have any idea what I was alluding to? No. Absolutely no clue. No? The ice tea, mic- the, the ice tea episode from Rick and Morty? No? Nothing? Oh, my. Wait. What ice season? Ice tea versus the Numericons. What season? <laughs> uh, I think that's season two. Oh, I've seen season two. That's a bummer. I don't remember it. That's like my after shift. Like when it's late, when it's like midnight. And I'm home and I just want to like eat something real quick and go to bed. 20 minutes of Rick and Morty is about all you need to do to forget literally everything that happened from work. And fall <laughs> <laughs> A little bit of iced tea flying through the universe. Anyways. All right. You, you ready to go? Yeah. Let's do it. All right. Take out a piece of paper and a pencil. Place the paper sideways in front of you and put the human body on the left side of it. Let me know when you're ready. I am all ready for you. All right, Dr. Estefan, this will be a single patient encounter. See what I did there? You'll have 15 minutes to complete the case. My heart sank there. Before we begin, do you have any questions? (laughs) (laughs) Single single patient. Literally, my heart sank there. Uh, No questions. All right. Let me get my timer going here. All right. I have started the timer now. Dr. Estefan, you are working at your hospital, and the next chart gets placed in your rack, and the chief complaint is, your favorite complaint, dizziness. Dizziness. Cool. All right. And what do we know about the patient? How old are they? Gender? Um, So this is a 66-year-old male, and his name is John Johnson. John Johnson. Okay. Um, I walk into the room. What do I see? Uh, basically you see this 66 year old gentleman sitting there. He, he doesn't look, you know, too terrible. Okay. And can I get an opening set of vitals? Sure. His, um, heart rate is 109. His respiratory rate is 20. His blood pressure is 105 over 69. His O2 saturation is hundred percent. And do we have a temperature? 98.6. 98.6. Great. And can we, okay, uh, Mr. Johnson, uh, my name is Mike. I am one of the ER resident doctors here. What is bringing you to the emergency room today? Hello, Mike. Well, uh, you know, I just, I'm feeling dizzy. Okay. Um, when did your symptoms start? They started two hours ago. What were you doing when they started, when it started? I was just, I was, I was just kind of, you know. Doing some some laundry, I guess, and I just kind of started feeling dizzy. Okay, did it come on all of a sudden? Uh, yeah, I, I I guess I don't know. I kind of just started noticing I was dizzy. Okay, 
And when you say dizzy, does it mean that, does it feel like the room is spinning around you when you're kind of keeping your head still? Yeah, I mean, you know, dizzy, yeah. Kind of, I guess it's, things are kind of moving. Okay, you don't feel like you're going to pass out or anything like that? You don't feel lightheaded? Yeah, kind of a little lightheaded. Okay. Um, And is everything still spinning around right now? Yeah, I still feel pretty dizzy. It's kind of, you know, it's like they're moving around me. It's like I'm going to pass out or something. Okay, so it is persistent. It's not coming and going. Uh, yeah, it's it's. I'm yeah. I guess right now I'm still dizzy. Okay, it hasn't really gone away. Great. Uh, what? Let's see. Any weakness anywhere? Yeah, kind of just you know. I feel dizzy. I feel weak all over. Okay, numbness, tingling. No. Okay. Um, what medical problems do you have? Um, so I have a history of COPD. I have hypertension. Um, I get migraines every once in a while. Okay. What medications do you take? Uh, I take lisinopril. I do albuterol every once in a while and uh, maybe some ibuprofen for the headache. I had some ibuprofen because I'm you know, having a little headache, I guess. I had the other day. Okay. No headache right now? No. Okay. Um, any allergies to any medications? No. Um, any drugs or alcohol recently? Um, I don't do any drugs. Occasionally, I you know, like this weekend, I had a I had a good amount. I had a good amount to drink, but I don't drink every day. I just you know, when it when it's time to drink, I drink to the point of excitement. Great. Um. Okay. Let's. Do I have a nurse in the room with me? Yes. All right. Let's place a single IV um in his right ac we'll check a blood sugar and we'll get an ekg um and then before i order anything else i am going to examine the patient all right um blood sugar is 100 your iv is placed your ekg is normal like sinus tachycardia yeah like 105 nothing nothing huge nothing crazy okay so i'm gonna do an exam general appearance how does he look uh, he looks, he looks good. He looks pretty good. Skin color is normal. He's not, he's not pale or jaundiced. No, he's not jaundiced. He's, he's a pale looking guy. He's, he's a, you know, just, yeah, maybe a little pale. He's pale. Sure. Okay. Um, all right. And no obvious signs of trauma anywhere? No. Head trauma specifically? Okay. No. Okay, let's start off by just listening to his heart and his lungs. Um, you hear regular, you hear a regular rate and rhythm. You don't hear any murmurs. You don't hear any gallops or rubs. There's uh, no other abnormal cardiac sounds when you listen to his lungs and all of the quadrants. It's you know it's clear throughout. Okay, lungs clear and belly soft, non tender. Correct. Okay. I look in his ears. What do I see? Um, both of his ears, there's no cerumen. The TMs both appear normal, normal light reflex. Okay. Um, I look in his mouth. What do I see? Uh, when you look in the back of his mouth, you see a normal uh, pharynx. Cool. Um, all right. Let's do a neuro, neuro exam. Sure. Uh, cranial nerves. Um, his cranial nerves are, they all appear to be intact and symmetric. Okay. Um, does he have nystagmus, uh, with extraocular motion, either vertically or horizontally? No. 
Nonastagmus. Has a strength. Uh, it's five out of five in all four extremities. Okay. And sensation grossly intact. Yep, it is normal sensation to light touch all all over. Okay. Uh, finger to nose, heel to shin. Um, normal finger to nose, normal heel to shin. Okay. Can we walk him and see how he walks? Um, sure. Sure. You ambulate him and he goes, oh, wow, I, I still feel dizzy. And then he, he walks, but he's able to walk independently. He doesn't fall. He has a, a an inline normal gait. Ugh. All right. So differential is pretty broad here. So let's send some basic labs on this guy. Um, a CBC, a BMP. Um, then we can do coags as well. And huh, his EKG was normal. So, I mean, the question is, he has no nystagmus. Um, and it's persistent acute onset vertigo, it sounds like, which is obviously concerning for a posterior circulation stroke. Um, however, I guess a couple other questions. Sir, have you had any recent preceding illnesses? Um, no, I haven't been sick at all recently. Again, it's just it's just dizziness. It's hard to describe. It's like, I don't know, it's like things are moving. I'm going to pass out. I feel like I'm going to lose consciousness and then... It's just, I, it's, it, I just feel so dizzy. Okay. And th- I'm sorry, I should have said this way earlier, but this guy should be on the monitor. Okay, he's placed on the monitor. Um, okay. So I guess we can... And nobody has noticed any changes to your voice or anything like that? Um, no, my voice has been good. I'm swallowing great. I have no double vision. Okay, I guess we can start off with a CT non-con. I don't think he has a bleed, but I think that's the first step here. All right. Um, it, is, it is negative. It is negative. Okay. You also got some uh, test results back now that he's back from his CT. Um, his CBC, uh, normal white count, normal platelets. His hemoglobin is 11. Um, his BMP, his sodium is 135. His chloride is what it's normal, like 105 or something. (laughs) Sorry. His potassium is 4. His CO2 is 24. His BUN is 30. His creatinine is 1. His glucose is 105. Okay. Coags Uh, are normal. Okay. So, I mean, can we do a hints exam on this guy? Sure. Um, Yeah. What are you looking for? And what is this hints exam you speak of? Uh, so it's head impulse, uh, nystagmus, and test of skew. Uh, when you when you do the head impulse test, um, there's no corrective saccade, there's no skew, and there's no nystagmus. So no nystagmus is kind of concerning, from what I understand, because there should be some nystagmus to localize it peripherally. Um. So I, I think I'm going to go ahead and call a neuro consult, I guess, at this point. Or how does this hospital work? Do we do stroke alerts at this hospital? Um, yeah, you can do a stroke alert. Mm. There's, there's neuro consultants. They tend, to, they tend to take, you know, 15 minutes or so to come down. Oh, uh, brilliant. Um, yep. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Um, 
And how how long does an MRI take at this hospital? <laughs> uh, I can give you an MRI at the 15 minute mark. That's how long it takes. Ooh. They got another patient in there. When the case is over, you will get your MRI. Okay. Um. Hmm. 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 What do I want to do? Which is in about three minutes. Okay. Let's uh, let's call a a, a neuro console and get this guy in for a stat MRI of his brain. All right. So the neuro consult and the MRI will be available at the end of the case. <laughs> okay. Um, in the meantime, we can try to help this guy. Um, can we recheck his vitals, actually? Um, sh- sure. His vitals are unchanged. Temperature 98.6. Heart rate is 107. Respiratory rate 20. Blood pressure uh, 100 over 65. O2 saturation 100%. Does the dizziness come on when you change position? or? Yeah, maybe if I like sit up, it gets a little worse. Okay. All right, let's give this guy some fluids. All right, um, fluid bolus. Yeah, one liter. Uh, we can give him a normal saline. That's fine. It's been given. Yep, it's been given. Okay. Um, and you've had no infectious symptoms recently? No cough? No, infect- no fevers, no chills, no sweats, no cough. I really don't don't know what to do um i'm certainly i mean my differential here is kind of orthostatic uh presyncope versus like a posterior circulation stroke um but i really don't know um and he's had no events on telly we can check the telly monitor scroll through um yeah, I mean, he's just getting a little more tachycardic. His blood pressure keeps kind of going down. What's what's his pressure now? Um, 99 over 50. Um, hmm. What? Can I just throw an ultrasound probe on his chest and look at his heart? Sure. What are you looking for? A pericardial effusion. It's not there. Okay. Um, do I see lung sliding bilaterally? Yep. Okay. Mm-hmm. It's a history of hypertension, COPD, and migraines. Oh, dizziness. Pressure. Here's a soft pressure. And no chest pain, nothing like that. Um, no chest pain. Hmm. I, I really, I really don't know what to do with this guy. Um, I don't like his pressure. Let's, you know what? Oh, he's tachycardic. He's borderline hypotensive. You said he had a normal white count? White count is normal. So he's not even like (laughs) Cersei. Um... I really don't know what to make of this. Um, well, I don't. I definitely don't want to send this guy home. He should be admitted. Um, I just don't know. To. <laughs> uh, um, and that ends your case. Sorry, mate. out of time. <laughs> oh man. All right.
So some backstory on this for everyone that's listening. <laughs> this is part of the, uh, did you get a chance to watch my video? By the chance, the video that I sent you, Mike, did you ever see that? Uh, no, I, I, I did not. <laughs> I started to watch it and then I lost my phone that day. That was the day my phone broke. <laughs> so I've been preparing to kick Mike's ass for like over a month. I literally recorded an entire video on posterior circulation stroke. <laughs> and this case has nothing to do with posterior circulation stroke. <laughs> I was just trying to mess him up. A whole lecture. If you guys want the lecture, by the way, I have a whole lecture done. But this case has nothing to do with neuro. <laughs> I just tried to make it sound like it was maybe neuro. What I was really trying to get you to do was to give TPA because that would have been even that would have been even better. So let's <laughs> I'm so proud of myself. This is you just made my day. I just feel such like an evil genius now. Um, okay, so how do you think you did? Let's start from the top. Um, <laughs> well, considering I didn't have a diagnosis nor a disposition, pretty bad. Yeah, so you would have you would have definitely failed that case on the ABM oral boards day. It's a hard case. And you're allowed to fail, so it's not like you just have one of these and it's, you know, the end of the world. I think you're allowed at least, I think they throw out your worst case type of a thing. Um, but this would have been in that range of bad cases. Mm-hmm. Um, so on your history, let's break it down, though. Let's figure out kind of what happened here a little bit. Um, and there's some, like, teaching points as far as the approach to dizziness that I want to go through. And then there's some um, teaching points as far as the approach to, like, one of these oral boards cases. Because um, this is the first time I've actually been able to get you to the end of the case where you're not even kind of anywhere on the mark. And so this is actually, we need to take the opportunity to kind of go through what to do when this happens, because it will happen. And you need to know what to do when that, when you feel that sensation around 10 minutes and you're like, oh God, I'm not anywhere close. Okay. Yeah. So start with your history. Um, what, tell me what you did good on the history, what you kind of maybe could have done better. I mean, so chief complaint of dizziness I know it's kind of a pendulum. There's kind of one aspect or one group of people who think that you can break it down into lightheadedness versus vertigo. And then there's a whole nother train of thought group of people that think that kind of anchoring yourself to one side of the coin uh, results in misdiagnoses. Um, So I was initially trying to figure out which of the two this was, um, but clearly... Um, you designed the case so that it was vague, which is kind of consistent with real life. Um, so what I got was it was acute onset of lightheadedness and vertigo that has been persistent. And he was it happened while he was doing laundry and he had no other symptoms associated with this. Well, and so let's stop there, though. So what other symptoms did you ask about? Uh, you didn't go through a very, this is one, you know, you didn't ask about a lot of different things. So I guess chest pain. Um, oh shoot. You that, went through infectious symptoms. You asked about, you know, you asked that a few times. You asked about neuro symptoms very well. You asked about cardiac, like cardiopulmonary. Yeah. And you asked about like abdominal pain basically. Yeah. Um, what other symptoms do you think you could have maybe potentially asked in there? Like as far as someone who's kind of dizzy, lightheaded, any like bleeding recently? Um, have you passed out recently? Good. So, um, he would have had melanin. Okay. Okay. But you didn't ask about it. So you, you, you didn't get it. Okay. Um, then let's go to exam. So again, uh, your exam, you did the full neuro, which is 
totally appropriate, especially when, you know, you've just been I actually sent I actually sent Mike the lecture on posterior circulation stroke twice just to make sure that he knew that I would that you know poster I just want him thinking about posterior circulation strokes to set him up for failure here. <laughs> um, <laughs> but so you did a good neuro exam you did your cardiac exam you you palpated the abdomen um, I think that the utility of this in the real world is questionable especially if you do a really good history but what is something you could have seen on exam that would have also hammered out your diagnosis uh i don't know like a, as far as someone with melanoma, like a rectal exam yeah if you wanted you know this is kind of why we draw the big old genitalia on the on the gingerbread man to remind you to check all those kind of things potentially i'm not saying that you have to do this because that would be weird but like potentially a rectal exam and things like that and if you had done a rectal exam he would have had dark stool as well okay um for what it's worth okay so the with that with those two things in mind what was the the diagnosis kind of where are we going with this some kind of gi bleed Right. So a GI bleed on his history. I'll kind of let you pull this together here. So um, look at his medication list. And when you are, you know, the medications that he takes in his medical history, what sort of things on this list would increase your risk of GI bleed as far as medications this guy would be on? Sure. Ibuprofen. So he's on NSAIDs. And then he also has a COPD, right? So mm-hmm. I told you albuterol if, you know, he actually, if you had dived into this, you're a second year now. So I got to, you know, make it a little bit tougher on you but he would have recently been treated with steroids as well he uh, also is a he also drinks okay so he's got several things that would increase your risk of peptic ulcer disease or a bleeding peptic ulcer you could make the argument on the alcohol that potentially he'd be at risk for varices however i would have tried i would have pointed you away from that you know kind of more towards things that increase your risk of developing an ulcer okay okay um other things you could have done on the history is you can always pull old records and things like that. It would have shown that he had recently been in the hospital for a COPD. You could have asked him about that kind of stuff too on your exam. Okay. All right, labs. What um, you you got a normal CT? You got a bunch of normal stuff. What were the abnormal labs? I think it, I honestly don't remember. So his hemoglobin was a little bit low, and then he had a what was it, pretty 11? high BUN compared to his yeah it was like eleven you know yeah. it's on the low side right yeah something you would see at the guy who just started bleeding and then his BUN and creatinine his BUN was like thirty or forty or something his creatinine was normal so kind of that higher BUN is another thing you can potentially see with an upper GI bleed okay okay so I was trying to give you kind of hints through each of these while simultaneously messing with you with the the posterior circulation <laughs> stroke um, and again what I was really hoping I was like. Please, please, please give him the the cojones to give TPA to this guy. That's what I was hoping for. I was like, give the TPA. <laughs> you know you ought to, but you didn't. So that that's good. <laughs> um, so, um, but that that was kind of how this case was designed. And then as you were clearly kind of struggling with it, I kind of made his vitals deteriorate a little bit more as someone who was on, had ongoing bleeding. Okay. So, um, that was kind of, that was kind of what happened there. Yeah. I, I, I mean, obviously something was going on. Okay. So that now that we know, so what's the final diagnosis now that I've kind of shown you some of the things that we didn't see bleeding peptic ulcer. Yeah. Like a bleeding peptic ulcer or something. Okay. So let's break this down into, um, kind of a few things now. So let's talk about on your ABEM oral boards, 
So when you're taking these cases, this will happen. Like I promise you it'll happen. It's the worst feeling in the world is you're going to be taking, this is going to be like the big day and you're going to have at least one of these cases and you have no idea. Right. And it's like 10 minutes in and you're like, this is my failed case, but I think I already had a failed case today. Oh my God. I'm never, I'm not going to be a doctor. I'm not going to be a doctor. Like <laughs> this will, this will, you'll have this, <laughs> this panic in the middle of the case. Okay. And so when you hit mid case and you realize that you don't know what's going on, right? Hopefully you've been doing, mm-hmm. writing down your abnormalities on the paper and things like that, but you need to stop and you need to go specifically, what are the things that are abnormal? Right. Hopefully, because even without the exam showing the melanin, even without asking that, like you would see like, well, the hemoglobin's a little bit low. His BUN's high. His vitals are going down. And you just you just have to stop and like see the things that you have that are abnormal. You had a dizzy guy, low hemoglobin, who's pale. Remember, I told you he was pale, too, on your exam. Yeah. Right. And so you, you just have to stop and go yeah. through everything because sometimes the case goes so fast that you're you, – you forget things like, wait, why would my – why would this guy be pale, right? You remember asking that on exam? Yeah. So – but when you, when you stop and you go to the top, you're like you have a dizzy guy who's pale with a low hemoglobin and an elevated BUN and his vitals are going down. You just have to like stop and you want to specifically go through everything that's abnormal that you found before. That's the reason why you need to be doing the notes on the paper. Part of it is to get your form down to make sure you don't completely glance over your exam, completely forget an allergy and things like that. The other part of it is because when you get stuck, you need to you need to stop and be like, what are the things? And you circle them or something. You need to go like, all right, what were the things that are abnormal? The guy's tachycardic. Okay. He's pale. You know, and you just you just try and you just stop and you just think for like 30 seconds. Cause I'm telling you, I had at least one of these cases and I can't go through the specifics of cases, but where this saved me. And all of a sudden it was like 14 minutes. And like, I was just sitting there. I didn't even talk for like a minute on this case. And all of a sudden I looked at the examiner and was like, Oh my God. And I just started talking. I knew I had no time. And I just went like, I listed as many critical actions I could. And I was just like, I'm admitting him to the hospital. I'm doing blah, 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 blah. And they just kind of laughed and they're like, that ends your case. You know? And I had like 30 seconds and I listed like, 10 actions and you know, I probably scored very low on that, but at least they knew that I hit it. Right. So you just, you need to give yourself the shot yeah. to at least figure out what some of those, cause remember that you're going to have critical actions that you have to hit on the test day. And the way mm-hmm. that you're going to fail is missing those critical actions. You can't actually score highly on a test if you miss critical actions. So you can save yourself if all of a sudden you're like, so let's say in this case, right, you realize it's a, a GI bleed and you're like, Oh my God. All right. I'm going to give a PPI. I want to type in screen. I want to start maybe uh, transfusing blood. I want a GI consult, call the ICU, right? <laughs> you just want to like yeah. get it out because you, you, cause otherwise they're going to be like, you're out of time and you're not going to get credit for it. So you want to do that. And I did that on one case and it was really funny. The examiner was actually laughing at me and kind of gave like this, like kind of subconscious, like nod of approval. Like you lucky, you lucky guy, you know, <laughs> you know, that was close. <laughs> um, and you know, so just you want to stop. You have to figure it out. You, if, once you kind of are dragging, you're either going to figure it out or you're not. You can't really just kind of usually just drag through the case and you just need to think. So that's that's what I would say on, the, on, on test day when you're stuck. You have to stop, look at all of your abnormals and kind of proceed because your technique's good, right? So you already took a history. You were maybe a little light on the associated symptoms. You missed, you got most of them, honestly. You just missed the, you know, the one that was in this case, but you, you did pretty good mm-hmm. on exam. Um, you talked to, you know, you had enough things there that I think you could have gotten it if you had just kind of paused. Okay. Yeah. All right. 
So that's the, the board side of this. So now, since you, you didn't watch my video, which is hilarious, because <laughs> this would have been the first thing I would have told you. There's four categories of dizziness. And the first category is a clear alternative diagnosis. And so the first step when you have a dizzy patient is to actually do a very thorough history and exam. So you want to ask things like chest pain, palpitations. You want to see if there's something non-neurologic going on. Um, and again, I'll probably end up – so even I, like on EM clerkship – have put out the episode on vertigo and syncope and things like that and pre-syncope. So I, even I'm guilty of this. I will say that the people who, th who say that you can differentiate between these two things are wrong. I have since read the studies on this. You can't. When someone is dizzy, they're just dizzy, and that's it. Like the, that's what the studies show. You can't divide it out between vertigo and lightheadedness and pre-syncope and disequilibrium. It just it doesn't actually work. It, you can't do it. So, I mean, that's the, the real pearl in, the, in, in kind of real life. And so you have to come up with a different approach that doesn't involve identifying their cause of dizziness. Like, or trying to have them describe it further. You have to stop. If they say, I'm dizzy, you'd be like, all right, dizziness. For the record, everybody, like, the, Mike will get his day here in the future, so I'm a little, <laughs> where he'll be giving me cases, and, and he's going to kick my butt, um, and he'll feel much better then. But it's fun. You'll, you'll realize that, you know, it's fun coming up with these little scenarios. Oh, I cannot wait. I cannot wait. Uh, <laughs> um... Again, my favorite part of this whole thing is just the fact that I literally, I literally came up with posterior circulation stuff, and I was, and I, I actually had done the video before for work, and I was like, I'm just gonna send this to Mike a few times, and make sure he's heard it, and that kind of thing, <laughs> and then, then I'll do a case on GI bleed. Um, uh, good times, but. Anyway, so you would have failed that case. Um, the critical actions were things related to the treatment of GI bleed, uh, potentially doing a neuro exam maybe would have been a critical action. Um, but, uh, yeah, so that case did not go well for you, but that's okay because that was hard, and that's why we do this, right? But, again, if you get stuck um, at any – you know, you get that 5-10 minute mark, you hit the end of your cadence, and all of a sudden you're like, whoa, I'm at the end. I have no idea what's going on. You need to stop and you need to specifically look at your abnormals because when you look at your abnormals isolated from everything else, a lot of times it'll stand out. Okay. Yeah. No, th this was like perfectly littered with like little clues. I like it. I I'm going to be much more keen in the future. Watch out, Zach. You know, if it's like a weird, like if it's a weird, very specific diagnosis, like if they have a history, you know, it's one thing if it's like hypertension and some diabetes or whatever, but if they have a history of tuberculosis, right, or AIDS or, you know, just things like that. All of a sudden you're like, hey, you know, I haven't even thought of that. Whatever it is or anything on exam. Again, they're not going to give you too many abnormal things on exam that aren't related to the case that are pretty specific, right? Like you're not going to have uh, a patient with like diminished breath sounds on one side when it's a GI case usually. You know, it's like, oh, no, there's something lung here. I need to think lungs. Why is my lung patient crashing or something? You, it's just – circle all the abnormalities that's why it's important to kind of take notes specifically of abnormal things and that'll be what'll what'll get you over the hump to where you can at least say enough critical actions to to get your score not failing which is all which is what the abem oral boards is pass fail so that's great advice Right. So, but that, I think that's the big takeaway from this case and again I've been kind of waiting to do this talk just because you've haven't even been close to failing most of these, you know, like maybe a couple of them, you, you would have missed a critical action or something, mm -hmm. 
Um, but really like you haven't been in the scenario yet where you got to the end of it and you were like, I have no idea. And, um, this is a, and this is a good example of that. Like on the boards aren't going to test you usually on something that you haven't really seen or haven't really thought of. I mean, maybe it could be like a well-known thing that you just happen to have not seen before based off of the cases you've happened, you know, whatever. Maybe it's not something that comes to your mind right away, but generally speaking, it's something where you're like, well, no, I think we're in this kind of ballpark of diagnoses and usually you can get it because it's not going to be something too too crazy and even if you can't quite get it you'll at least be able to get the right consultant get them to the right bed you know do the appropriate tests and get most of those critical actions um, to make it so that your case score is okay all right well um I should do another, I might do that episode on dizziness at some point actually, and kind of go through that again. Cause that's the real clinical pearl in, in the real world is patients cannot, you cannot have them differentiate it. It does not work. Like you literally cannot do it. They've studied it. If you ask them, no depends on what you ask them first. Like they'll switch. Like there's a million ways to ask them what they mean by dizzy and all of them result in patients usually telling you the other, <laughs> you know, it's just like, it's, it's it's like the whole concept it's like similar to like stock market investing or something right like there's so many people lose money in the stock market there's like this whole thing out there like what if i just did the opposite of what i think right <laughs> it's like that kind of thing it's it's almost the same with dizziness where it's just you can't you just can't do it you can't you can't get them to differentiate it in the in the real world on the test day i think if you i don't think they would have been that tricky on the history of dizziness if that was on the yeah. abem test i think there'd be so many people that would be thrown by that um, that they would have said, I feel lightheaded. I feel like I'm going to pass out. And they would have made it pretty clear, but you know, we're trying to do both kind of clinical pearls and test pearls. So mm -hmm. what, what are your thoughts on when a patient offers up that they're like, Oh, I feel lightheaded. Like I'm going to pass out versus, Oh, I feel like the room spinning without you really prompting. Do you think you can separate it then? Um, yeah, probably. I mean, I don't know how often, like if patient says like, I feel like I'm going to pass out, I'm going to pass out. I think it's, you still have to be careful. I kind of still treat them all as if they're dizzy, but I think if someone comes in and they're like, my vertigo is back, everything's spinning around me. I'm not thinking, you know, I'm going to ask questions like, are you having any bleeding? Are you having any chest pain? But they're going to say no, you know, they're going to be no. It's more of a confirmatory. Um, what you don't want to do is rule out half your differential based off of that. Okay. Fair. Fair enough. And most people, most people just like, and specifically when they say they're dizzy, that's about as good as they can get. They can't really differentiate it further than that. I just feel pretty good that I didn't give TPA. Yeah, I was, I was, I was really, I was like, give the TPA. No, no neuros coming in. No, you can't get the MRI. Give it, give it, give it, give it, give it, give it, give it. But he, you didn't. So that would have been funny. I would have made the, the diagnosis would have been very clear and very funny at that point. <laughs> Um, to add kind of fire to the fuel to the fire, um, I'm on a teach rotation this block, and our program is doing something called 52 and 52, which is just um, we send out a summary of one of the quote unquote most important EM papers that every EM doctor should know. Um, I forget where the 52 and 52 comes from, which website, but um. It's academic life. They compiled it. I, I know what you're talking about it. Okay. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I'm going to edit that. But um, 
I so whoever's on the teach rotation has to summarize these articles every week and send them out to the rest of the program. So that's been me. And this week is the neuro week, and it's all stroke. It's all the major TPA papers. It's all the major thrombectomy papers, and that's all I've been reading. So you giving me this case, I was yeah. like, shit. <laughs> like we can't do a thrombectomy on a posterior circulation stroke. We could give TPA. Do I want to give TPA? Like. You know, I, oh. so one of the things that I've started doing, I read a lot of papers. So I, I do. I read a lot of papers. I don't read any journals, like when ASAP sends me annals or something. I, I don't read that. I specifically read papers on PubMed. I find full copies of abstracts that sound interesting. And I, I do a lot of these. And there's some really good papers that I, it's not – the best papers to me aren't these kind of classic, oh, every EM doctor needs to read this. It's a, it's more practical stuff. Um, it's a lot of times like a systemic review, like a systematic review or, or things like that. It's like this paper on dizziness that like clearly shows you, you cannot differentiate patients who are dizzy. And it's like over a decade old and we still try to do this. And it's just such a, it's such a fascinating paper on how they, they determine this. Um, so maybe we'll have to review some of those as I find these. Maybe those would make good episodes. They're actually like interesting papers, not just, you know, this is a, hot paper right now but like a paper that's actually interesting like i've read a paper where they looked at every patient who had a misdiagnosis of pulmonary embolism and the factors not on how to diagnose pulmonary but the the factors inherent in the people who were missed right things like that i just find that very very interesting um they're all misdiagnosis pneumonia so it's it's people who had like a lung infarct but no fever that, that kind of thing um so anyways we'll have to maybe do that at some point but that wraps up the clinical side of this. Now, Mike and I wanted to talk a little bit about some of the other stuff with EM clerkship um, coming up as well in the near future. Um, and I don't know. I, I guess I can talk about it unless you want to talk about it, Mike. But essentially, the show has grown to the point now where the costs of it are starting to get kind of they're, they're increasing. Um and there's also certain things that kind of need to be done that it's hard to afford because it's a free podcast. And we've been talking about different ways to try to try to make it financially sustainable. Let's put it like that. Financially sustainable. We're having the talk, you guys. We're having the talk. And um, there's different ways that free podcasts, like because we're big believers in, in foam education, free access education, especially for med students, right? And there's different ways to kind of make money. Um, from a podcast and we've kind of, Mike and I have been discussing the different ways of doing this because we need to start making some financial profit from this to offset some of the expenses and to kind of make it worth our time and things like that. And um, the, essentially the options are this. So option there's a couple options. You can always ask for like donations and stuff. That's not really on the table for us because it, you can't, it's like in the culture of medicine, like you can't ha ask med students for money. Like that's crazy. That's not even right. So we're not doing that. The other two options are essentially what you see with a lot of these businesses. Like once these podcasts get big, unless they're in academics, um, a lot, a lot of them are either turning in like MRAP and stuff. They're turning into like a paid, like a premium model versus if it's, uh, you know, they sell a course on the side. I listen to one. It's called the Fantasy Footballers Podcast. So they have their free podcast, but then they have like a special kind of kit built into their website. So they kind of have a membership. So there's all these ways to kind of do free stuff along with premium stuff as one way to make money. The issue is, and the reason Mike and I both don't like this is because 
we feel as if the education that we come up with should be for everybody and it shouldn't just be limited to the people that can afford it. And, um, that's something we kind of both feel strongly about. Um, you know, if we come up, like, let's say I do this lecture on dizziness, right. And put this out, like, it's probably really good, but if we are charging, we have to have something for like a premium cost too. So then would I not give this on the free podcast, even though it's like a great idea and everyone needs to listen? Like, no, you want everyone to hear it. So, um, the, really that leaves one option and that's basically to kind of come up somehow with show sponsors or that type of thing, run an ad. So you probably heard like a lot of these big podcasts, they'll run an ad somewhere in the middle where they talk about a product or something. Um, and that's, I think, you know, and Mike and I, again, I've talked about this. I've talked to a few other people. I think that's the way forward with this show because we don't want to have to charge you. We don't want you to have to pay for anything. And we don't want you to, we don't want you to have to like donate us money. And I think that this is the right way to, to offset some of these costs and things like that. Um, and so I don't know if you have any other thoughts on that, Mike, but that's something that you will probably hear in the near future. We're kind of exploring that. And I just wanted to give everyone a heads up on that and feel free to send us emails. (laughs) I'm sure you guys are really excited about that. Mm -hmm. What do you think, Mike? Yeah. I mean, you kind of hit all the points. We, uh, we really don't want to make you guys pay, but like I just had to buy a new microphone today and that was a hundred bucks. And, um, you know, I think advertising is kind of the way to go. Everyone, we don't lose any listeners. We keep it free for you guys. Yeah. And well, the details of this, we're still figuring out, like we've never done this before. Anyways, that's that talk. Um, again, you can email either of us. Um, you can email me. I'm Z-A-C-K at emclerkship.com, Zach at emclerkship. You can email Mike at emclerkship.com um, and just give us your feedback on this and things that like maybe tell us things that you would absolutely never want to see. You know, like I, I'm cool if you advertise, but don't do this or um, – Maybe you're all like, this is a terrible idea. I'd rather just pay you for a free course or something or, or, or pay you for a course, not a free course, but pay you for a course. I'd rather just donate you, you know, something, just give us some feedback on this. But I, I've, we've both thought a lot about this. I've thought a lot about this and I think this is the right way to do it. Um, so until next month, keep working hard, keep studying and be sure to enjoy your shift.